Hey guys, thanks for tuning into Lawology, the study of me, a podcast about the black experience presented through the eyes of your favorite ratchet womanist, me. Today's word of the day is dissemblance. Lawology, all about my autonomy. The things that I believe, the way that I perceive Yeah, I'm a womanist, yeah, I be talking-ish About whatever comes to mind, yeah, I be doing this With words of the day, now I ain't come to play Monogamy, equality, I got a lot to say Breaking the mold, it never gets old Of racism, sexism, yeah, I'm real bold Brooklyn raised me, Atlanta changed me But my bad experiences, they never phase me You can call me Dr. Black, yeah, and that's a fact Got two degrees, they were a breeze, and now I'm going back. I'm in anthology, doctorate of philosophy, a world of poetry. Yeah, I be flowing B. Come on and study me. Welcome to my holiday. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And again, thank you all for tuning into the first installment of Lyology. I'm so excited about this being my first episode. Although this is not my first podcast episode, this is the first one in transition of Lyology. But before we get into that, if you loved, liked, or even enjoyed, or you thought it was all right, my theme song, I want you to follow Dope Norteria. That's going to be D-O-P-E-N-O-R-T-E-R-I-A. You can follow them on Facebook. You can follow them on Instagram. They are wonderful music producers and they're twins. And so they helped me to really construct that. Um, You can do studio time. They'll help you produce theme songs, regular songs. If you want to rap anything. They are also DJs. So go ahead and hit them up, follow them, and just bring a lot of traction to their page because they help me out and they are dope. So moving right along, it's my birthday. Go, 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 shawty. It's your birthday. We're going part. So yeah, I felt like it was very apropos for me to release this episode today on my birthday because I am 25. Well, not because I'm 25, but yes, I am 25. And this year for me is all about self-discovery and, you know, creating those strong boundaries and those things that uh, separate me from being 24 and any other age. Um, I just believe that this year is about to be lit. I think that things are really changing for me. And yeah. And so speaking of self-discovery, the reason why I named the show Laology is because ology is the study of or the science of. And because I am in a world of self-discovery, I thought that it would be fun and intriguing to allow you all to go on this journey with me as I find who I really am. So what this show really would broadcast would be my observation about some things or my analysis of things through the lens of my experience, the black experience, but also being a woman. 
And so let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, I did state on my last podcast, Young and Restless. Um, I think I recorded like a couple of months ago, but I just been in rebranding. And I think I told you all that I have been accepted into a PhD program. This PhD program is at the illustrious Clark Atlanta University, which is actually my um, undergraduate alma mater. And I couldn't not go back. I love CAU so much. I literally bleed red, black, and gray. Those are our school colors, if you haven't uh, noticed. And so I might make a lot of reference to CAU and use some of our mottos and just colloquies that we use. And um, yeah, colloquy. If I'm not mistaken, that is a monologue. So maybe I used that word wrong. But anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. Um, CAU, I am in the PhD of Humanities program. So that's the Doctorate of Philosophy in Humanities, where my concentrations are Africana Women's Studies and English. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, I love Black women. And... Of course, it's a non-sexual attribution in the way that I'm using it. But, excuse me, as a Black woman, I've experienced Black women things. Um, I think that Black women, we are beautiful. um, But because of how society has placed us, and not even like it's new, like it just happened. Like literally through our lineage and the things that we have experienced. Although slavery was not the beginning of blackness, it definitely was the beginning of the t- deterioration of blackness. Um, I believe that black women, and I always say this, especially when I'm in class, and you guys, I'm just definitely diving right into it. Black women are at the bottom of the totem pole. And I kind of stumble saying that because I don't want you all to internalize or believe that we are at the bottom of the totem pole. What I'm saying is systematically, Black women are the least cared about. We are the least loved, the least appreciated. But mentally and everything else, we are the most powerful. And so I just want to use this podcast to not necessarily, you know, degrade or shun any other race, but to emphasize the importance and the greatness of black women. And so with that being said, and most importantly, (laughs) importantly, and most importantly understood, the word of the day is dissemblance. The Lannis. Rape in the inner lives of Black women in the Middle West. Preliminary Thoughts of the Culture of Dissemblance by Darlene Clark Hines. In this um, excerpt that I am about to read by Darlene Clark Hines, you can find it in Words of Fire. Um, I did get the book on Kindle, so you can do Kindle, you can do Amazon, um, whatever. She actually created and utilized the word of dissemblance. And here goes. By dissemblance, I mean the behavior and attitudes of black women that created the appearance of openness and disclosure, but actually shielded the truth of their inner lives and selves from their oppressors. Okay, so... 
The reason why I decided to use this as my first episode, one, I had a paper due on Tuesday, um, and I talked about the culture of the semblance. The reason why this is important to me or I can definitely relate to it is because my dissertation topic is why black women sacrifice their sanity to uphold the livelihood of black men, their oppressors. And um, as I was telling my teacher a story, she was like, La, you should read um, The Culture of the Simulants because I really believe that you have experienced that um, or and are experiencing it, and it's not far from Black women. Like, basically, I am a culture of the semblance. And so what the culture, excuse me, what the culture of the semblance represents is the hidden truths of how Black women feel, have how Black women feel about sexuality. And so, for an example, let me read another quote. Yet there is another thread running throughout these slave narratives, one that concerns these captive women's efforts to resist the misappropriation and to maintain the integrity of their own sexuality. The combined influence of rape or the threat of rape, domestic violence, and economic oppression is key to understanding the hidden motives and forming major social protests and migratory movements in Afro-American history. And so a lot of women moved from the South to New York, or, well, I'm from New York, so that kind of just came out automatically, but from the South to the North, or even the Midwest, um, definitely for work opportunities, but more specifically to free themselves from sexual obligations that they were not necessarily committed to. And so um, I was talking on my Facebook Live the other day, and I was talking about um, how Black women were the forerunners and forefathers, if you will, not necessarily in a good way, or we'll say the forebearers of slavery because we were used as the reproductive ammunition to make it happen. And so based on the laws uh, of the land during slavery, um, if you were born of a slave, like if your mom was a slave, then you took the livelihood of what your mother was. For example, if your mom was a slave, but your dad was white, he was her master, you were not free. You took on the livelihood of your mom. And so saying all of that to say black women's sexuality or black women weren't given the opportunity to obtain or to learn or create or even explore their sexuality because we were forced into a uh, sex, really. And so with that being the case, the notion of Black women now is that we are overly sexualized. And it reminds me of a term that I learned um, in class. It's called hypergamy. And the way how my teacher described it, the definition says that it, it basically means to marry up. But the way my teacher described it is more so about uh, the double bind. And so what that means is, and I'll use the marrying up definition. If a black woman marries up, let's say she does marry a white man or she marries an Asian man, whoever she marries, but he's rich or something like that, that will be considered marrying up. The reason why hypergamy is considered the double bind is because if she marries up, 
the black community will say, oh, she's, or maybe not even the black community. They might say, well, she's a sellout. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, uh, why she married this man, blah, blah, blah. But overall, society may call her a gold digger because she decided to marry up. But here comes the double bind. If she marries down, so let's say, and I'm, okay, if she marries down, and I'm going to say a black man, but I don't mean he's down. I'm saying like if he doesn't have a job, let's say she has a PhD, but he only has a GED. Let's say, you know, she is trying to run a Fortune 500 company, but he is doing whatever else. That will consider her or say that she's marrying down. But let's take away a black person. It could be a white person, it could be Asian, whatever you know, makes you happy. But if she marries a guy who is of less stature than her, people may say, well, you're too good for him. Or why are you with him? Why do you love him? Like you have so much to offer, et cetera, et cetera. So therefore black women are conflicted with the double bind because what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? How should we be loved? And so the semblance, the culture of the semblance is very... I don't want to say near and dear because it's, it's not necessarily a positive thing. And so one of the things that I wrote about in my paper is that during the, I'm going to just say 20th century because I'm not sure what year exactly, black women created organizations to better the lives of black women. So you have the NACW. Um, I can't quite remember what it means. I think it's the National uh, the National Association for Colored Women. Um, you have the Colored Women's Reproductive Rights Organization, and it was one other I can't not remember. So via my research, what I found is that although these organizations were definitely helpful, and you can actually, um, if you read uh, The Coach of the Semblance by Darlene Clark Hine, she does talk about NACW. If you read it, she basically describes how this organization in particular did help with the livelihood of black women. It helped them to get jobs. It helped them to, you know, learn new skills, learn new tasks, learn new trades. But it also, uh, what's the word, inherently or simultaneously caused black women to run away from their sexuality because we have been overly and overtly sexualized our whole lives. We did not want to be seen as sex objects anymore. But instead of finding the balance between who we are sexually, and I don't just mean having sex, well, most importantly having sex, but even just what we like or, yeah, what we like as it pertains to sex. What is it that we want to do? Um, a lot of sex is um, domination, dominated relate related so what i mean is well yeah i get it i don't really have to go into that but from my experience sex has been very um from the guy's point of view to me and not all of the time but it's been very superior and i'm trying to explain it in a good way but it's kind of like men want to dominate women so sometimes in sex that is their outlet to do so. But from my experience, because I have been molested and I have been sexually assaulted, in which I'm going to get to in a moment, I do not want to be dominated via sex. I want to be equal in sex. I want to decide what I want to do and what I don't want to do and 
let that be that. So anyway, getting back to the NACW, they created an outlet for women to learn those trades that we haven't necessarily been given the opportunity to do because black women were, again, the bottom of the totem pole. But it caused us to kind of turn a blind eye to sexuality. And so it became less and less talked about. And I really feel like, ooh, that's good. I really feel like that's where um, not necessarily feminism came from, but I do believe that's where femininity came from. Because I know growing up, there were different, uh, I don't want to say myths, but there were different beliefs that as a woman, you should act like this, um, especially religious. Like if you were in church, oh, your skirt got to be all the way down here. You can't wear pants. You don't want to cause your brother to, to, to sin or to stumble. But I get that because that's definitely Bible. But also my brother needs to learn how to control himself because I am not here for his pleasure. And of course I shouldn't uh, I'm not going to even say that because I can wear whatever I want to wear, really. Whatever I feel like is appeasing to my body. I mean, you dress according to where you're going. So if I wore it to church, then obviously I felt like it was appropriate. I cannot help my hips and my dips and my curves. Control yourself. And that's really the point of it all. And so now I am going to go into a story time about how I've experienced the culture of dissemblance. Lie-ish. 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 Okay, so this is why my teacher um, suggested that I read The Culture of the Semblance. So a couple of weeks ago, and um, my friend was here, and I don't think that she minds me sharing. Hey, friend, I love you. And so my mom's birthday was September 13th. And some of you know, some of you do not know, my mom passed away when I was 11. So she died in 2017. So, I mean, what? 2007, sorry. Um, I was even 11 or 12. Not sure. So anyway... My friend who I've gone to college with, she decided to spend the day with me on the 13th. So we had fun. We went out to eat. We went to Atlantic Station. You know, we were being friends. And then we went to Fellini's to get some pizza. Then we came back to my house. So um, her godbrother was in town. So she was like, oh, let me call my bro- my godbrother over. I think that you love him. You know, he's really cool. And I feel like a friend of yours is a friend of mine. Period. But a friend of yours, which is a friend of mine, brought a friend who I do not like. I didn't know him, but I just knew that I didn't like him. And so they were on their way. And mind you, we're in my house and I am fully clothed. Um, and I don't I don't know why I keep bringing attention to clothing. And I think it's because a lot of people feel like and especially men to justify rape or sexual assault. What did you wear? And that's, that's just so crazy to me. Like, so my appearance is more important than, um, cognitive dissonance, what you should and should not do in a moment, how you should respond to something like, bro, what? So anyway, I'm not going to tell y'all what I had on because that is not important, but we were in my house. So like I said before, I was dressed appropriately for the place that I was and I knew I had company. So come on. So anyway, they call on speakerphone and her godbrother was like, hey, what's the house number? And um, the friend was real belligerent. Like, oh, yeah, what the F is your house number, blah, blah, blah. So I said, or he made allude to like my community. Like, oh, we in a hood or whatever he said. So I responded, you don't have to come. 
Period. So then my friend did a little awkward laugh like, because ah, I know I'm going to say what I need to say. Like, what are you talking about? So they come inside and the guard brother is so polite. Like, hi, friend. You know how you doing? It's nice to meet you. You know, and he's really trying to engage into conversation. Like, OK, what do you do? You're getting your PhD. Oh, what are you getting in? Oh, why are you doing that? And it's not even on a flirty type arena. He just sincerely understands that, well, I'm in your house. Let's converse. The other guy, he's just real perverted, like just real. And he was short, too. So I have a I, another, it's not really my theory, but I feel like he struggles with the short man syndrome or the Napoleon complex. Um, and I have experienced somebody that was short and treated me that way. And he was also a.k.a. my stalker. Um, if you listen to Young and Restless, then you are aware that I had a stalker at the beginning of the year. And so a lot of this guy's traits and attributes reminded me of the guy who stalked me. So it was kind of like I've been here before. And also my stalker used to be abusive. So I've been here before. So anyway, getting back to the point, moving right along. So they're sitting on the floor um, by choice. Uh, and I get up because me and Courtney went to Quick Trip to get some snacks. That is my friend. Hey, Corey. We went to Quick Trip to get some snacks. And um. anyway, I went to the kitchen to get a spoon. And so the short guy says, ooh, your A is fat. And I'm like, what? Like, this, this man is in my house talking to me crazy. Like, but also... I'm not going to lie. I just kind of shrugged it off. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever. But that started to progress as the night went on. He just kept, kept, kept. And looking back in retrospect and like looking back in retrospect, what I did or how I handled the situation was me assimilating the culture of dissemblance. And so, but I wouldn't have known that until I told my teacher and she helped me to verbalize it and give definition to what actually happened. So anyway, I'm sitting on my couch and I'm under the cover because downstairs be mad cold. Y'all know heat rises, so upstairs don't be as cold as downstairs. So I'm sitting under, under the cover and she's sitting next to me, but he comes to sit next to me on the edge of the couch. And so, oh wait, no, before that, I got my phone in my hand. He keep trying to grab my phone. He keep trying to grab my phone. He keep trying to grab my phone. And y'all, what I'm about to share with y'all um, it's not really vulgar, but I, it's kind of descriptive. So I, I want to tell y'all the fullness of the story so y'all can understand what I experienced and what happened. And so a couple of days before that, I had took a Yoni detox, goddess detox pearls, and this is not a sponsorship, but hey y'all. So I took the detox and it does let you know that after the detox, your pH balance may alter. And so it may cause a yeast infection. And so that did happen. And so I took a picture to see how bad my yeast was infected. Right. But I also did delete the picture, but I forgot that them jumps be going to your recently deleted because who cares? Like not who cares, but I deleted it. It's my phone. I know I'm not going, you know what I'm saying? So it just kind of threw me off. So he takes my phone from me. Yes, takes my phone from me and he goes through it. But I'm not thinking about what happened two days ago because I deleted it. And I and not even that I deleted it, but I'm just not thinking about it because that's not something common of me. So I don't feel like I have anything to hide in my phone. But if I did, it's my phone. 
So then this is when he comes to sit next to me. He whispers in my ear. He said, you got a pretty P-U-S-S-Y. And I'm like, what? Because I'm like, I'm sitting under the cover. I got clothes on. Like, what is he talking about? And then I just instantly go into a panic. Like, oh, my God, this stranger saw my kuka. And I'm like, at this point, I'm just definitely uncomfortable. But because he's so belligerent and rowdy, it's kind of like, what do I do? And I know that you all are thinking, kick him out. But, or and, that is what the culture of dissemblance is. I was in such a twilight zone trying to figure out if this is what's really happening to me or like what. So as the story progresses, now he's sitting next to me and he's like, I'm under the cover still, but I'm leaning back in my chair. And I have like one of those wide couches where you can sit all the way back and then your feet don't touch the floor. So they can't see what's going on. So my friend is sitting next to me, but at the other end of the couch, mind you, under the cover, her guard brother sitting on the floor. This man is trying to fondle me under the cover. And I'm like, yo, stop touching me. I'm yelling. Sorry, y'all. I'm like, yo, stop touching me. But I'm yelling to him. But it's like, I don't really know what to do. Like, I'm like, yo, stop touching me. And he's like trying to go back and forth with me, touching me, blah, 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 blah. Y'all can only imagine. And I'm like, okay, this is getting too much. So in my mind, the first thing I'm thinking is my kitchen is right there. And y'all could elaborate because I don't know if I could really say that on the air. And so that's the only thing I'm thinking. So in my eyes, I'm kind of looking at them like, y'all not going to save me? Like, and although I'm not, I didn't necessarily say what he was doing, the fact that I was fighting him off, but I don't know him. Just met him 10 minutes ago. And and it just really blew my mind because you only met me 10 minutes ago and you feel like you are entitled to my body. You feel like you own my body. And this is not a justification. Um, he did smell like he was drinking, but that's still not okay. If you can't control yourself and you, and, and, and also men try to use drinking as a justification of their actions. So I'm like, nah, y'all gotta go. Like this ain't, this ain't right. So I ended up calling one of my friends and while I'm on the phone with him, the guy is like trying to still like grab me and touch me, but this time he's over the cover, but he's trying to be wise enough to say, or he's wise enough to say, Oh, I'm just messing with her. Cause I know what's annoying her so that the other two people won't like, they will take light of the situation. But in my mind, I'm like, you don't even know me. Like we know each other for five years and you just know what bothers me. You are, sexually harassing me right now please leave me alone like and it's like I, I'm just like please like somebody please get this man so then I called my friend I asked him to come over and once he heard me say that he got up and was like this ain't fun no more and he goes to my other couch and he sits down and he uh lays back and he goes to sleep and I was just so flabbergasted because I'm like wow bro you would really feel that comfortable in somebody else's house after you just, you know, fondled with them and now you just sleep like what? And so even telling my teacher this story, I was definitely embarrassed because I felt like I should have spoke up. But also it it, it just kind of reminded me of my dissertation, why black women sacrifice their sanity to uphold the livelihood of black men, their oppressors, or the uphold the livelihood of yeah black men their oppressors, um it, it it's kind of like 
well, do I call the police on him? Like, is it that serious? And what I'm saying is because we have been overly sexualized, we have allowed these actions to become minuscule or minute or like, well, it's all right. Once he leave, I just never have to deal with him again. That's how I felt. And so when I told my teacher, she was like, you should really read the culture of the semblance. And another definition of it's kind of the same, but she just kind of reworded it differently. If I can find it. Um, she gives another definition or this this kind of what made me understand what the culture of the semblance really was. Just give me one second, you guys, if you will. I am looking in my phone. And I might have written it down, but I'm not sure. Oh, I did. Give me one second. I got to go get it. Okay, yes. So the second definition she gives is creating the appearance of disclosure or openness about themselves and their feelings while actually remaining a mystery. So although I was... As it appears, you know, making noise, like, stop touching me. I wasn't quite telling them what was what I was experiencing. And so you can experience the culture of the semblance, the semblance, excuse me, like interpersonally as it pertains to you and your partner. If they're doing something that you don't like and it's just y'all. You can just not say nothing or like I just did. It was more of a social setting. And so I just want to bring awareness of this because sexual harassment has been a motif in my life. Um, And this is actually the second time that I've been sexually harassed in my home. The first time I was a senior in college and that time I didn't really say, I didn't say anything. Like I didn't, and and it, I guess it was different because it was more closed off. Like I went into my bathroom and the guy followed me and there's definitely a story behind it. Like I didn't know him. Um, I was doing my friend a favor. She wanted to hang out with a particular guy, but he had a friend. So they like, okay, can a friend come over? And I'm like, ah, and the thing is we wasn't even supposed to be at my house. We were supposed to be at her house, but she locked she locked the keys. Like it was it was just a I just knew that everything that led up to that, I could tell that, you know, everything was going wrong. And I kept telling her, like, something ain't right. Like, we should leave them. Or, you know, I don't I don't want to hang out with them, but because that's my friend, I did. So anyway, I go into my bathroom and he follows me behind the bathroom. But not like immediately. Like I go in the bathroom and I close the door. And he follows me in the bathroom and then basically put me on the sink. And I just remember being mad scared. And at this point, I'm probably like 20. And I'm like, all I keep saying to him is like, please do not rape me. <laughs> like, and I'm I'm not laughing, but that's all I remember saying to him. Please do not rape me. And I never really told nobody about this. So welcome into my life. And I'm like, please do not rape me. So he proceeds to put his hands in my pants and like fingering me. And I'm just like, please do not rape me. Like I I just kept saying, please do not rape me. Please do not rape me. And what really surprises me about predators is that, and maybe it's not a surprise, they'll do that. And he didn't rape me. Thank God. 
Um, they'll do that and then walk out and act like nothing ever happened. Like that's psychotic. Like you don't you so nothing just happened. And again, he too was drunk or had been drinking. I don't know if he was drunk, but that's an excuse that, you know, can be used. And so even with this guy, when they walked out, my friend who I asked to come over, he was outside in his car. When they walked out, the guy acted like nothing happened. That thing is crazy to me. That thing is crazy to me. And so experiencing these things, the culture of dissemblance is something that I definitely identify with, but it's not a good thing because I should not be afraid to speak up. But I think that through the journey and through the process, Black women has really lost their voice. And we begin to believe that work ethic was more powerful than our sexuality. Or work ethic was, was I don't want to say powerful than our sexuality. That's not right. That's not what I'm meaning. But our work ethic became more important than our voice. Like, well, he might have sexually assaulted me or, you know, my bo- my boss, something, something, something. But I ain't going to say nothing because at least I still got a job. Or even in relationships. He did something I didn't like, but I ain't going to say nothing because I don't want to be single. You know what I'm saying? So we really have to discover what it is that we want and how are we going to get out of this. And so speaking of how we are going to get out of this, I am about to explain it to you all. Law-isms. Now, this is the part of the show where I give a solution to the problem. So the problem is the culture of the semblance. Um, The story or the uh, experience is what I just shared. And now here's how we can move forward and progress via law-isms. Um... Really, so for one, Africana Women's Studies is the only, let me back up, Clark Atlanta University is the only institution in the whole entire world who offers an, a program, not just a, de- a degree, because like, you know, some classes you can take, but it's not necessarily you can get a degree in that class. You know what I'm saying? Some things are electives. Um is the only institution in the entire world that offers Africana women's studies as a program as well as 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 well as a degree program. And so for me, the solution is really um bringing awareness. I feel like a lot of colleges and institutions, for an example, Georgia State, um Spelman, they have women's history classes, women's studies classes, or women's women's studies with gender and ethnicity, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't focus on Africana women's studies. And I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but the reason why Africana women's studies was created is because black women don't necessarily fit anywhere. Um, In black studies, it focused mainly on the black male experience. And in women's studies, it focused mainly on the on the um on the white woman's experience, which is why I don't call myself a feminist because that was catered to the white woman, I believe, based on this definition and history. Um, I consider myself a womanist, which is a person who advocates for the love and the respect and the whatever for all women. Um, Alice Walker says also a woman it wait a woman who loves other women sexually or non-sexually, which is where I fall under, and appreciates the excuse me, and appreciates and prefers women's culture, women's emotional flexibility, 
values tears as natural counterbalance of laughter and women's strengths. Sometimes loves individual men sexually or non-sexually and is committed to the survival and wholeness of an entire people, male and female. And it's not a separate aspect periodically, except periodically in health. Um, it also says womenness is to feminist as purple is to lavender. And so what my teacher explained was that the reason why Alice Walker said that is because lavender is a derivative of purple. So if woman is purple and feminist is lavender, that means womanness is the dominant coloring. Um, and feminism actually comes out of that. And so the reason why I, I, classify myself as a womanist and not a feminist is because I don't just think that we should have equal rights for for black women. I don't think that we should just have equal rights for women, but I do believe that we should have equal rights for everybody. And womanists are there to not really set the tone, but to break down the barriers of the understanding and the inclinations of everyone, not just for themselves. And I do believe that feminism is very... Uh, uh, cynical. I think that it is very uh, concentrated and focused on one thing, and that is the uh, building up of white women. Period. And so, for me, the solution would be, or or moving closer to the solution would be awareness. More people need to know. And I believe, you know, the biggest reason why I decided to, you know, get my PhD in Africana Women's Studies, I do want to open a nonprofit organization for young women ages 16 to 24 who have been raped, battered, molested, and who are emancipated or don't have the best relationship with their family because that was me. And coming to college was very difficult because, um, not for nothing, and I did have people that helped, so I don't want it to be like, you know, nobody helped me and what was me and I did it all by myself because that's not necessarily the case. And I appreciate everyone who did help me. Um, at the same time, I did not have a mom. So it was kind of like I was getting fragmented help from people because I wasn't their whole. Woo! That's a poem. That's a poem. I said that's a poem. That's a poem. That's a poem. That was good. And so I kind of, and it's so crazy, I want to be a mother to these women. And it will definitely be transitional. Like, it's like, a, it's like not a school, but you, you apply to get in and you graduate out. So after your time, not your time is done, but you know, after we cultivate and whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop, then you're going to be ready for the world, sis, period. And so anyway, I believe one of the ways to bring to, to solve the culture of the semblance is to bring awareness to it. And really, black women, we can really do all that we could do, but if black men, if white men, if white women don't see, like, if we don't have advocates, I'm not going to say it won't work, but it's like we already fighting for our voice. You know what I'm saying? So in this case, we would need people who have the voice to advocate for us to have our voice so that we can all be equal. Right. And so that is today's installment of Laology, Laology. That's not how the song goes. Now you rocking with the hey. Yeah. But thank you all for tuning in. Um, I really hope that you learned something. Please, 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 please subscribe on Spotify, 
or Apple Podcasts or Anchor if you don't have either or whatever y'all use on Google Play because I am team iPhone. Um, please give me your comments. Y'all can follow me on Instagram at I am Larissa Black. That's I-A-M-L-A-R-I-S-A-B-L-A-C-K. And tell me what y'all think about this episode. What other words or focus points can we talk about? What things would y'all like me to dive into more? What solutions are you guys seeking? So again, thank you guys for tuning in. I love you. Have a good day. Today my birthday!